Welcome to the Apple of Truth, a weekly podcast where we cover every single episode of Lucifer while exploring plot holes and diving deep into all the details you never knew you needed. I'm Lena. And I'm Vero. And we both not only share a deep love for the show and its creators, but also for our glorious patrons who enrich our lives on more than one level. Today we're talking about Season 3, Episode 17, Let Pinhead Sing. And given the fact that Hellraiser 1, I think, is from more or less the same year as Alien 1, I'm even more surprised that Lucifer missed the Alien reference in Episode 15, because he uses the Pinhead reference. Oh, I had no idea there was a reference. It's a horror movie, you will never watch it. That is true. At some stage I have written down an alternative name of the episode but we'll get to it when we'll get to it speaking of alternative names for the episode the german version has a different name because <laughs> pinhead doesn't really translate all that well in german this episode is called in the spotlight which in my opinion Aww. is actually a better title than let pinhead sing today's episode what's it about lucifer pushes chloe so far away that even he finally realizes he fucked up. Pierce goes through a dark spot but finds his light in Chloe at the end, then is once again the bestest bean, while Charlotte tries and fails to mediate between Linda and Mace. Yeah, that's exactly what happens. Hence my summary. <laughs> yeah, there is gonna be a lot to unpack in there. I can't wait for the five hour long discussion ahead of us. Obsession of the week. I have decided that it is the spotlight. I went with Chloe. Lucifer is so obsessed with not obsessing about Chloe that she is his obsession, in my opinion. That is fair enough. I think that spotlight and him being in spotlight and Chloe not being in the spotlight, but then him realizing that he can't be out of spotlight and then she can't be out of the spotlight. It was just very spotlighty. And they use the metaphor a lot. <laughs> lot. I see where you're coming from, but for me, his main obsession was Chloe. And it I'm has just... been a while since he has obsessed so much over her. So it was a nice return, which also in the end of the episode finally leads to him realizing I made a huge mistake. I was just trying to figure out if we can count this one as a win. No. But... I feel not. Talking about wins, both the second time director and yet another writer duo already told me that at least basic quality wise, this episode was going to be nice. Because second time director is Alaric Riley, who previously did A Good Day to Die, the season two finale. Ooh. And our writer duo is... Ildi herself, with her eighth credit, and it has been quite a while since we had her as a writer. Her latest credit is Vegas with some reddish. And mm -hmm. that she did with the same writing partner she has for this episode, who is Sherry Elwood, whose latest credit was actually The Sin Bin, and this marks her seventh credit. Yay! That's exciting. It explains a lot. Yeah, right? The mm -hmm. title is set by Lucifer and I completely lost count, so I think I'm gonna redo the count for the summoning episode because, yeah, I got confused with the add-on episodes and <laughs> my system and everything. So, sorry! There is only one fact I have to contribute this time, but luckily, Vero, you will have one more. Huh? 
The name of the murderer, <laughs> spoiler, Cece, is a commonly shortened version of the name Cecilia. Mm -hmm. Saint Cecilia is the patroness of musicians. That's interesting and right? very around 15 corners, but yay, that's interesting. And that's all I have, so the floor is yours. I have decided to add on our cut scene into this section this time because I honestly have no clue where it goes in the episode. It is one of the shortest cut scenes we've had yet and it's called Dunn grabs Muffin and Ella gives him a dirty look, which describes in grand detail the entire scene. Dunn walks in in the precinct, comes up to somebody's table, see a basket with muffins, looks around, takes one of them. Ella sees him, gives him a dirty look, and they all continue on their way. And that's it. I'm not sure what they try to accomplish with this scene, and I am not surprised it got cut. Yeah, this is, I think, the first instance where it's completely irrelevant, because sometimes we were like, oh, why was this taken out? Yeah, nice. yeah. Let's go into this episode, into the real meat of this, with our previously on Lucifer. Lucifer promised Cain to kill him. He brought Abel's soul back from hell. Ames and Linda dated behind Maze's back. Charlotte started therapy with Linda and Lucifer realized if he's messing with God, he is putting Chloe in danger. So he went back on his words to Cain. Very straightforward. Majority of our information came from the previous episode and... Therefore, it is kind of expected for us to sort of pick up where we left off, emotionally at least. It feels very much like a direct continuation, which is why, at least for me, the cold open we get now felt very confusing. Mm -hmm. Because I had no connection to this person. We don't know who she is and I don't know the artist, so I didn't recognize her either. And so yeah. I was very much confused. And I also only have one question for this cold open scene. Mm. Why would you have the body double? Like, was the original setup from the beginning that you have two people dressed exactly the same? Or was there gonna be a weird reveal? I completely do not understand the point of having the body double. I think, and this is just my opinion, I imagine that she would want to suddenly burst out of in the middle of a crowd or somewhere where she couldn't possibly be since she is already on the stage and just kind of have that whole... Uh, like a magic trick. Like a magic trick, yeah. But also kind of change up the routine and surprise everybody. It just kind of keeps things fresh, I suppose. I think they do mention something like that in the crime scene. That she wanted to change things up, but there were no Because specifics. she was getting bored. Yeah, there were no specifics. But I would imagine that would be because she wanted to try something I'm new. I'm going to go with the magic trick, like in The Prestige. So this is now my head headcanon and I'm happy with it. We open the gig with a song called AK-47 and it is performed by Sky Townsend, who is the actress who plays Zara. So the song is about a shooting device and she gets shot while the song is performed. I would imagine, yeah. Also, wow. it is YouTube-only song. So... Been a while. Unfortunately... We are not adding this song to our playlist. But 
Don't you worry, there is plenty of songs in this episode that did go to our playlist. And they are great. Some of them are actually really, really great. Made me happy. Now, I kind of liked the switcheroo in this scene because the way they set it up for us, we are watching this girl in this costume, taking the mask, then she walks on the stage and we have no reason thinking that it's not her. And then the revelation of that being a body double, I thought it was very nicely done and it made me happy. In theory, I fully agree, but because I had no emotional connection to the character as of this moment and I was still emotionally involved into what happened in the last episode, I simply didn't care about her. Yep, that is fair enough. Now to go to what is really interesting and important in this episode, the therapy. I don't know if you remember my rant at the end of last episode. I am sorry, I have no recollection. Can you please repeat it word for word? I think I actually could, but I'm gonna save me the editing time. My main issue was how quickly he came to the realization, how quickly it was handled, and then the episode was just done. And now in the beginning of the therapy session, Lucifer is deflecting the very realization he verbalized at the end of last episode. Mm -hmm. And it instantly got me back into the very annoyed, exasperated mindset with Lucifer. As Lucifer is a person, as a character, not the show in itself. And so I'm right back where we left off last episode emotionally. I'm sorry. Which is probably what they intended for you. Do you mean to imply that they know what they're doing and they deliberately create these horrible emotions inside myself? Yes, because they know that their audience is a bunch of masochists. Guilty as charged. (laughs) I got completely derailed by Lucifer's life goals. The pet shark. He first says, start brewing his own artisanal beer, take nude painting class, and I ask, is he painting nude or is he painting someone nude? Why not both? Yeah, that sounds very much like Lucifer. And then the gold star goes to the pet shark because he actually seems like he is so interested in getting a pet shark. It just made me just giddy. In the therapy session, Linda should know better than to goad Lucifer with words like quitting. But I understand that she is still kind of preoccupied. But still. She should know better. If you by kind of preoccupied mean completely not focused on her therapy session with Lucifer, yes, I agree. I mean, it is understandable. However, it's not professional. (laughs) I continue the trend from last episode where I start nearly every fucking scene with a question. Is Tom Welling really such a bad singer or did they make him sing so horribly wrong? I was asking myself the same question. And here I was hoping you had an answer for me. I did not. However, he is singing Dust in the Wind by Kansas, which technically I should be looking for a version by Tom Welling, but I am not doing that because Thank it's you. not all that great. The original, however, is pretty great. So it is on the playlist. Yay! Whoop whoop for us. Now we get Ella walk into the room while Kane is trying to sing. And I 
I think that compliment box is an extremely sweet idea. I if love you have the idea. People actually putting in original thoughts. And if you have people who know the person giving compliments, because we all need compliments from time to time and we need to accept them. And I think it's easier to accept them when you have the opportunity to read them on your own time yeah. instead of having them told face to face. Mm hmm. I love the idea of the compliment box. Fully there with you. It's sad that it backfires this completely. But also, Ella doesn't seem to be able to think of any other compliments on the spot for Pierce. So I guess she also put great arms into the box. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. Or maybe she didn't put anything in the box because she made the box. I think and she, she still would have put, put something in. And she's a big Pierce fan. And the fact that she can't think of anything on the spot just tells me maybe there isn't so many great things to say about Pierce. Or another version is that he doesn't let anybody know him. So nobody knows him well enough to compliment him on real issues. Don't disturb my Pierce hatred and disdain with facts and logic. <laughs> she, 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 she. She leaves, she runs into Dan and she decides Dan is the perfect person and honestly, her argumentation is sound. It is flawless, yeah. But I still do not want Dan to have to be the one to go in there and talk to Pierce. But she's right. She is right, yeah. And unfortunately, Dan is such a good human yes. that he actually goes and does it. Yeah. All the brownie points for Dan this episode and he does not even get one lick of thanks. There was no time for thanks. He was eating muffins. Muffins are his thanks. We go back to the now official crime scene. Mm -hmm. I found it curious that now Lucifer seems to be self-identifying while verbalizing his self-identifying. That was so weird, wasn't it? Also, he just says the entire thing in front of Chloe. Doesn't even stop him, the fact that she's there. I love it. And also, it's super obvious to me that whatever he's planning... Is such a bad idea. Mm -hmm. I agree. Also in the scene we get the title card. Yes, we do. I have one theory about Azara being the intended target. So either she actually was the intended target, was my theory, or there was somebody else who knows about the switch because Azara told them because she wanted to get rid of Jill. That was kind of my other idea and my conspiracy brain took full reins on that one. I have to confess that I did not care about the case of the week this time at all. So I ignored most of it completely. That is fair enough. Now after the title card we go to Zara's hotel room. We work the case. Work it, work it, work it. Work it. Azara seems kind of smart and completely dumb at the same time. That is a very perfect description of that character, yes. She is a little annoying, but also quite intriguing to me at this stage. But the whole ex-backup singer uh, situation and everything just felt like too much of a coincidence and too perfect of a suspect. So I was kind of like, nah, let's just go away from this. And also, just like Lucifer is already showing Chloe the cold shoulder, you are showing Lucifer and his new best friend Bob, or Rob, the cold shoulder. Because this is where we see his plan in action. And I knew in this moment already that I was gonna be annoyed as fuck by this behavior. And I hoped and hoped and hoped that he would stop 
with it sooner rather than later and he didn't but I'm not gonna complain the entire episode about it so <laughs> shutting up now yep we get to see Linda walk to Clazes with an axe that is wrapped in bright yellow paper it's beautiful and then she <laughs> and uses the phrase buried to hatchet and there's a bow on the axe and it's just perfect it just it made my heart so happy and so sad at the same time i really really appreciate the gesture that she's trying but she says no man is worth what we have and do you remember the argument we had two episodes ago when the relationship is being broken off between amenadiel and linda I back then said that one of my main worries is that I left a Menadiel for you is gonna be point of the conflict between the two of them. And this no man is worth what we have is for me the first flag that my fear is gonna get confirmed. Okay. That this is gonna be part of the continued conflict between the two of them. And also, obviously, gee, I wish Linda would have thought of that before. Before she started the thing with Amenadiel. So happiness and sadness and anger all at the same time. I think to your last point, sometimes you don't realize what you're missing until you actually miss it. And I think that is the case that... You can't miss it till it's gone. Yeah. And I don't think that she realized how much Mace meant to her or how much damage she can do by engaging with Amenadiel in this way. Once she did, she was just so guilt-ridden, the relationship just couldn't continue. I wholeheartedly disagree with her not being aware, but we already talked about this, so... There's going to be more opportunities to to talk about this later in the episode as well. At this stage, I was just really hoping that Linda would keep trying to apologize and talk to Mace. Because... To make amends. Remember, she doesn't even know how much more damage Ames did last week. Yeah, that's true. They just need to communicate in order for this relationship to ever get fixed, which I'm hoping is going to happen. Yeah. Nevertheless, we go back to a scene that I was not very happy about on like a human level because I don't really understand. And this is something I'm just going to briefly mention this because I do not have the knowledge nor experience to talk about this in deep. I did look up both of the actors in this scene who are in drag and the lawyer is actually a drag queen. It's uh, Kelly Mantle that is dressed up as Cher. However, the actor that plays Patrick, Patrick. Stephen Daniel Byrne, is not. And I'm not... Because I always, every time I see a drag queen on a show, I like to look them up because I am a big fan of RuPaul's Drag Race. And over the years, a lot of them who actually are on television have been on the show. So I have a working knowledge of them, let's say. So I like to look them up and I just found out that he is not one of them. And I don't really understand why would they cast him as a drag queen. I can't say anything to the casting choice, but I also felt it was weird that they apparently pulled Patty as Xara 2.0 freshly from stage and that for me was the only potential reason while Patty was still in drag. Apart from the interrogation scene in the precinct, I really like the rest of the precinct scene Mm. because Lucifer going over the top to make 
Ella happy made me so happy and warm inside that my dislike of cold shoulder Lucy lessened remarkably. So I was here for happy Ella because I was so sweet. Because Ella is also a gem and we love her. And she deserves every bit of attention that she gets. And praise. And she is the world's best forensic scientist. And now she has a shirt to prove it. Yes. I love that this design felt like a casino name as well. So I feel like there was this connection as well that Lucy and Ella went to Vegas together and it hence, personal. It was, yes, it was personal. Unlike the compliment box. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And also, since I pointed it out in the past, this is now thrice that we have hyper-entitled and dangerous fan behavior on the show. So for me, it is a deliberate decision to have these topics hmm. and to use these themes for episodes. And so I'm actually quite curious if there are stories in the lives and experiences of the writers and showrunners where they are drawing from, if they have personal reasons why they use these. Yeah, that is an interesting thought. There is a moment in this scene where for the first time Lucifer's cold shoulder is not just shrugged off by Chloe, where she actually for the first time seems to be slightly hurt by his actions and it's gonna get more intense for the rest of the episode. But this is the first moment where I was like, "Mm, as much as I hate the plan on the level that it's just dumb and superficial and stupid. I hate it even more on the level where it hurts Chloe for no real reason or payoff. I see where you're coming from, but directly in the next scene, when they are working the case, she verbalizes that she is aware Mm -hmm. what Lucifer is doing, that she understands why he is doing it, that she can accept his need to go through the motions Mm-hmm. So her extremely insightful and mature dealing with his childish behavior. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to call it childish because there is no better word that I can think of. Is very super human Chloe, which I am coming to like more and more and more the longer we do this podcast. Because remember in the beginning I was like, mm. she's so boring. <laughs> I remember. And so now I'm here for Chloe being this insightful, empathic person. Mm-hmm. And so I did not read this as she is just hurt. I read this as she understands where he is coming from and she is giving him the space he needs. Yeah, for sure. But it doesn't mean that it's not affecting her. You can rationalize stuff all you want, but on an emotional level, she is getting hurt. And I don't like that. Chloe is very good at rationalizing things. So. I don't think it's just Chloe in this company. I think it's a common theme, bit- theme between the three of us. Anyway, she does a really good job. And this is the moment where Lucifer says everyone deserves a little Lucifer. And I am here again to say much better episode title, in my opinion. And I am here to say again, when you use your name in the third person and add little in front of it, I'm going to be thinking that you're talking about your penis if you have one or another body part if you don't have one. Well, that is probably the reason why it didn't get picked. Because Fox is conservative and we hate them because they cancelled Lucifer so they can go sit on a cactus. Also in the scene we get, is it a pun or just a timely comment when they find the dead body and Lucifer goes <laughs> dead end? Well, talk about a dead end. Hilarious. It was... Yeah. I- 
It was good, but... It was a good joke. It was still painful. We go back into the precinct and competent Chloe continues. She pretty much immediately calls it out as being too textbook. And of course, later on, she's going to be proven right. I did the same thing. Yes. I guessed it one sentence before Chloe. I'm so proud of you. Thank you. I was hoping you'd say that. We go back to therapy. Yeah, that we do. And Linda is as unprofessional as she can be. She is very unfocused. She has the perfect a thousand yard stare on her face. But I finally once again had reason to do a freeze frame because the scene opens with a shot of her writing pad. Yay! And did you freeze frame? I did not. I was just looking at the hatchets and it made me very happy. Above the hatchet, she had written down she forced herself to speak to her co-worker who was terrible. But Charlotte just then says that she forced herself to speak to her co-worker who had terrible breath. So the note should not have already been on paper. Interesting. Yay, freeze frame! Maybe this was a second take of the therapy? I don't think so, no. Or, hey, theory, Linda can see the future. No. Which makes her technically a celestial. No. She is a hidden angel. No, it's just a continuity error. Your mind is very, very closed right now. I need you to open it and accept that Linda is a saint or an angel or a celestial in some sorts. No. I love Charlotte in this scene. She is trying so hard. She is so understanding and she's just so good on Mm -hmm. all the levels. And sorry, still riding high on the Charlotte fan club. Oh, I'm absolutely there with you. Not to mention her hair in this scene is absolutely beautiful. I did not notice the hair. (laughs) What? Also, I'm going to mention it because I kind of forgot to read out that note when we were at Clay's apartment. Maze's hair in that scene and later on, I feel like in that scene it's even more shiny than it is in Charles' office later. But both of their hair game is stunning. I am so into that hair. You're going to have to do the hair watch because I usually don't notice things like that. What I did notice, though, is that Charlotte's behavior and verbalized feelings do kind of mirror Lucifer back when he was going for philanthropy, helping others because it gives him such a rush when he Mm. did something nice for Chloe and then he tries to recreate the feeling in the episode Saint Lucifer. And Charlotte more or less verbatim says that she feels so weird, like helping feels so strange and such a weird feeling and she's warm inside. So I had very, very strong Lucifer flashbacks and I actually kind of am into these parallels with Charlotte going through a very, very different experience and evolution, but still having these parallels with Lucifer. So both of them trying to be good people in a way. So yeah, I like it. Yep, it's a great scene. Also, this whole uh, invitation to mediate the conflict and resolve the or Charlotte's help resolving the conflict was bound to fail immediately. I was convinced of that. But I was excited to see what's going to happen anyway. I was so there for it. And then I was kind of disappointed. But we're going to talk about that later. First, we have to go back into the precinct where, of course, we get confirmation that Chloe was right. It is too textbook. And I was right too. 
And you were right too. I'm so sorry <laughs> for you. not pointing this out explicitly. Thank you. But being pointed out explicitly sometimes isn't the best of feelings because poor Pauline, the temp, oh, yeah. seems very, very unhappy to be in the spotlight and very really? awkward about the whole situation. I think she is awkward, but I don't think that she is that uncomfortable. Did you look at her face? Yeah. She did not seem happy. Okay. I don't really have any notes on this scene, so I'm just gonna slide straight into the next one with the song that plays in Lux. Because we go into Lux, so there has to be a song. It is a YouTube-only song. Shocking. Another two this episode. Wow. Yep. I think it's just two. It's called Bring Out the Bad by A Rivers, spelled R-I-V-V-R-S, because who knows what that means. <laughs> And I have a question to start off this scene. Because the whole beginning is kind of weird to me. So I do wonder at this stage, did Dan ask Pierce out for a drink? Or did he stalk him to Lux and then randomly ran into him there? No, I'm pretty sure that he braved the office and then convinced Pierce to go there with him. But why would Pierce go with Dan, who he doesn't like? Because he has no options anymore. He is depressed. He sees no alternatives to anything so why not go with Dan hmm. can't make things worse hmm. okay fair enough I suppose and then I just wrote down the quote the description that Kane does it's the eternal wasteland of meaningless experience a dark void staring down at you like a beaten dog scrounging on the side of the road just waiting to get mowed down by the next tsunami of crap I think that's that's poetry I don't know about you, but I think that it feels like he has taken it from some beatnik poetry and just quoted somebody completely nihilist. It's just beautiful. I loved it. <laughs> I felt that Pierce sounds truly and honestly depressed. And I think the best recommendation Dan could and should do is sending him off to Linda. Because this is way above... Dan's pay grade and competence. I think that he does realize that seeing his face after this quote. Yep. So I would be surprised if Dan didn't know that Lucifer and Charlotte are both in therapy with Linda. So I would feel that he should send Pierce to Linda as well. Because then Pierce could realize that Linda is in the know and speak actually openly and freely about everything and that might actually help him. And that also made me wonder, do you think Pierce ever was in therapy? I don't think so because openly going to therapy is a relatively novel thing even now and I don't see a reason for him to ever look for a outsider's help in this type of a sense, in this sense. So I just feel confirmed in my statement that he should talk yep. to Linda. That might actually make a difference. I think Linda has enough supernatural and very, let's say, nearly impossible patients in her life. So I'm good with her not having them. She is now the celestial specialist. Yeah, but that's not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> We move over into the spa scene, as I called it. We're on the rooftop with the acupuncture and everything. This is, of course, also the scene where we get the title drop with Let Pinhead Sing, which is an obvious reference to Hellraiser. If you like horror movies, do watch the first one. Maybe don't bother with the later ones. <laughs> In this stage, Zara comes across like the most bitchy 
diva in the universe. And they do turn my opinion on her a little bit later. But at this stage, I was just... I was not interested in any sort of an interaction or screen time with her. So I was kind of glad that somebody tried to shoot her, to be fair. <laughs> but I didn't really understand why would someone wait for Chloe and Lucifer to show up as the LAPD people and try to shoot Azara in front of them. In retrospect, I feel it makes sense because the point was to make her feel that she is in danger and not actually harm her. Yeah, I didn't realize that. That is true. But we move over into the penthouse and as much as I didn't care about Azara, I was very much confused that she is not all over Lucifer and into him. She is so focused on herself and her craft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I did not expect that because usually people are very much into Lucifer. Not as much in recent times as they have been in season one, for example. But especially given the fact that once they are alone, she is not all over him. I found very surprising. I think it just speaks to her not being as dumb as she seems. Oh, I read it as a confirmation of her self-absorption. Oh yeah, that definitely is part of it. But I'd say that it's a combination of that and the fact that she is probably one of the more complicated ones. So Lucifer's mojo is not as strong. I never once read her as a complicated one, especially when they start arguing about the fuck X movie. They are behaving like stupid children. At this stage, yes. Also, I don't think Lucifer has any interest whatsoever, which is going to get confirmed later on. So I loved the moment before Lucifer sends the bodyguards away and Bob just looks at him and mouths, help me, please, at Lucifer. And it's just so cute. I feel like this scene is just there for the comedic effect and to kind of show off that Zara is way more bitchy than we saw so far and I think that kind of goes directly with the scene transition which is very good where we are ending on uh, Lucifer and Azara splashing the smoothie all over the place and being very upset with each other and we directly go to Azara's manager saying everybody loves her which is a true Lucifer fashion transition And I really appreciated it. Absolutely. I was stopped wondering for a second there if he actually is the only person in the universe who likes Zara. But then again, he is making shitloads of money on her. So it's probably all about the value that she brings to him rather than him actually liking her. It's easier to tolerate horrible people when you earn a lot of money by tolerating them. Very true. But now we move on to in Charlotte's office. We move over to the mediation scene. And I go into detail on what mediation is and why I dislike Charlotte's behavior and competence in the scene. In much detail in the devils in the details for this episode. So enjoy that in the bonus. In here, I'm just going to go say, in my opinion, Charlotte is too hesitant in her mm-hmm. role as mediator. She needs to guide as mediator. She is trying, but she's failing. Have you noticed that Charlotte has a new office? No. It's bigger and it seems to be different from the one that we saw a few episodes ago. I think that it's beautiful that Linda is trying to apologize. I found it really nice and inspiring and... <laughs> 
I hate the fact that Linda is not talking about that she was scared of Mace. That is completely missing from her part. Yeah, I found hilarious when uh, Linda finishes her speech and Mace just looks at her and says, I'm a demon. What did you expect? Because I feel like Linda is treating Mace like a human. And we've talked about Lucifer's relationship to Mace a lot and why it seems inappropriate or cold or whatever. But I think that this kind of proves that Mace is not that bothered with that behavior because she's used to it. I'm not saying it's okay. Mm -hmm. I think that Mace is not used to feel this intensely towards anybody. And because Linda is treating her like a human, she is acting out. I'm reading this entire scene completely different. Oh, I'm not talking just about the scene. I feel like in general. Yeah, but I'm reading the scene and the implications of it. Okay. Very, very different. To me, Maze does not speak this language, basically. She needs certain things and aspects and meanings spelled out because she has no experience she has had no contact with certain inside feelings, but also <laughs> relationships. So she is not aware of things. Linda should be aware that Mace is not aware and translate certain things like the fact that she was afraid to Mace. Because all this scene, to me, it was extremely obvious that Mace was not aware and is still not aware what kind of effect she has on Linda. Linda is now her friend. So in Maze's mind, she is not intimidating for Linda, but she is still a supremely scary creature. And so this is why I take such a huge issue that the I was scared of you argumentation is missing from this entire scene. Mm. Because the entire I left him for you and hoes before bros and everything. It's not the point that this was about a man. The point is that Linda was scared of Mace and didn't feel she could speak freely with her friend. And Mace felt rightfully betrayed but wasn't aware that she didn't create a safe environment for her friend to talk to her. The only way to resolve this conflict mm. is for them to be honest with each other. And of course, it is painful and horrible to tell your friend that you were scared of them. But unless they formulate this, I don't see them moving past this. And once this scene escalates and it is made all about, I left the one man I had feelings for in such a long time. And I only asked you not to screw my ex, but you fucked so many guys and suddenly it's slut shaming in there. I hated everything about this. I hated everything about this. And while I like that it's not quickly resolved, I hate the context they mm. have put this now in. Because now it's about a man and not about a relationship. And I know you disagree with me by looking on your face. I don't disagree with you completely. I just, there is a few things. I don't see it as definite. I don't see it as this is only about man now. I feel like there is way more going on and it's about communication mainly to me. I'm hoping that they're going to give us more layers and depth to this in the future, which the chance is there. So yeah. I'm super curious. But this is exactly what I said two episodes ago that I'm worried about, that this is where they are going to take the yeah. conflict focus. And I don't want to be right. I don't want to be right at all this time. 
<laughs> I think because you said it, you are now hyper focused on it and you're more Obviously. sensitive to it. So I'm I don't think right. it's quite there. <laughs> I just think that it is part of the problem. It's not the entire problem. It's the only verbalized problem in this scene for me. So I agree that there's more around it. But dialogue wise, they didn't give me anything else to work with. Mm, and I really enough. don't I really don't want to be right this time. Because saying it now for the record, if they fail to resolve this conflict in a satisfying manner for me personally, that is going to ruin Linda's character forever for me. I mean, you already removed her from your list of favorite characters. So if they resolve this in a satisfying manner, I will be much more forgiving, just like Mace should be for her friend. But if they fuck this up, they're going to ruin one of my formerly favorite characters. So I am very much emotionally invested in this storyline, which yep, is why I'm so enough. utterly judgmental. <laughs> that's fair enough. We're going to go back to the penthouse now with a song by Rosa Pullman. Its name is Your Time Has Come. And I feel like this is in regards of Zara offering herself to Lucifer, telling him, your time has come. Now you can make love to me. And Is she really offering herself? I saw it more as do your job. No, like do it. Like she's not offering, she's demanding. I'm sorry for trying to be poetic when I was talking about the song connotation. But yeah, she is most definitely demanding. And I feel like he would do her if she asked two weeks ago. Maybe not in this matter. But I feel like he is way too preoccupied and too much has happened between him and Kane and Chloe in the last few weeks for him to be even in the mood for sex. I disagree there. I think right in this second, yes, he is not interested in sex, but he really doesn't like her. And so I don't think in any point or time would he sleep with her, no matter if he is preoccupied or not. But yeah, for me, the moment when she says everybody likes me, I was just like, girl, when you think everybody likes you, you're most probably wrong because nobody is liked by everybody. And if you think everybody likes you, people are lying to you because probably they're being paid to like you yep no arguments there yeah and that's the moment where i feel girl you're not that smart but then again immediately after this moment she gives lucifer the opportunity to share and talk about what's happening and to my utter surprise he actually takes it and she could read their relationship i mean he was obvious about everything but if she is that self-centered would she really notice this scene gave me whiplash in regards to her character yeah and i don't feel that it's deserved or based on anything that makes sense that she is on the one hand this oblivious self-centered drama queen and on the other hand suddenly we get her in this utterly relatable and likable moment where she gets lucifer to open up to her and share so to me this felt like a complete character split like a 180 and we don't know her well enough to make it plausible at least for me yeah i feel like it's a lot about we have complex 
characters there. And I feel there is a lot of things that we tell ourselves when we are in certain situations, like everybody likes me and I can do whatever I want because I'm good enough or whatever. And she is living in this delusion, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she is completely out of touch with her own intelligence, maybe? I'm not sure if I'm putting it in an understandable way. I know what you mean and had we more surrounding information and context for the character. Yeah, probably, maybe, potentially. But there is nothing to base this on and I don't care enough about the character to go reaching for argumentation Mm. to make it plausible. Mm, That's fair enough. She does talk about loving her craft and loving her arts and everything. So even though I was kind of convinced at, at the end of this scene that she ran away and she completely left the building. Same. What she actually leaves to do is completely coherent with what we've learned about her so far and it absolutely fits with the conversation that she has with Lucifer before she leaves. And that is, nobody can stop me from doing what I love and nobody should stop you from doing what you love. So that was actually a really, really nice development for her, for me. We go back to the precinct for a short moment, which is when we learn what the stomach contents of the dead guy are. Oh, yeah. Where we get the turmeric and smoothie ingredients and pills. And then it's like, huh, turmeric, Axara connection. Woo, 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 woo. And then we go to Lux. Oh, yeah. And take it away, because if we're in Lux, there has to be a song. Yep, there is a song cool turn you out by pompons and i was for one completely shocked that dunn is still drinking with peers it feels like it's been forever i was surprised that dunn invited ames i was surprised really? that dunn made a harry potter reference and why were you surprised that dan invited ames he literally says that amenadiel is the one who pulled him from a very dark place and he is trying to help Pierce get out of a very dark place and he feels that he can't help him by himself. So obviously he would reach out to the one person that helped him. It was completely logical to me. I just didn't feel like... I mean, if you put it in that context, it kind of makes sense. But also, <laughs> I don't understand why he is convinced that somebody who helped him is going to help somebody else. Especially if they never met in his brain, you know? It just feels weird. Because back when Amenadiel helped him, they weren't that close yet either. Yeah, but they knew each other. Yeah, but he has very, very high esteem for Amenadiel. So, and he is really, really honestly trying to oh, help no, I, Pierce. I'm not so trying to, me, to dismiss that. Perfect, to me, it makes perfect sense. Yep, that's fair. I was just surprised. But what Harry Potter reference? Because I apparently missed that. They're talking about... Dan is talking about Pierce's beard. Yeah. And he says, don't go full on Hagrid. Oh, yeah. I focused on the... He went Walter White. I ignored the... Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, it's fine. And Aminadil is not very happy, let's say. Neither of them is... <laughs> Ace seems pretty enraged and then he goes on this speech and Kane tells him him that that they're fine and that he's not working with Lucifer anymore. And then Ames goes on this most annoying me, me, me speech. Wait, 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 give me... Please just focus on the fucking hilarity. Amenadiel being all mightier than Dao and going like, you have to stop this. Obviously expecting Pierce to argue. And Pierce just goes, 
okay. And you can see in a man at Eel's face that that was not the answer he expected. Oh, yeah. I fucking adore this moment. <laughs> it made me so happy. I'm sorry. Oh, no, that's fair enough. Uh, no, the me, me, me. It's very good, but it also sends aims on this self-loving monologue yeah. that is very horrible. I did it. I destroy your alliance with Lucifer. I did this. I am the best. Now I can be... No, I'm gonna be loved by my father and I finished the test and I'm like, can you just focus on somebody else for a second? No. Like, why would he think that it's his doing? It's slightly self-centered, if you ask me. Slightly... Mm-hmm. I mean, if our obsession of the week was not Lucifer's obsession, my episode obsession would have been self-centeredness. Oh, for sure. Well, this beautiful exchange that I wanted to kind of throw up after gets luckily interrupted by a female hands playing piano. And we get a beginning of a duet that is something to remember. It is I Will Survive sang by Tom Ellis that is coming in in a second, but it is started by Sky Townsend, who is the actress for Azara. And this song and Sky herself are the topic of my Devils in the Music. So if you want to know a little bit more and you're lazy Googler, Googlers, tune in to the bonus episode. I adore the song. Mm-hmm. I have lost count on how many drunken karaoke's I have sung this song. Such a good karaoke song. I have sung this song by myself. I have sung it as a duet because it actually really offers itself as a duet. And in this particular scene, to me, this was utter perfection. The double meaning of some of the lines, the way Lucifer says some of the lines instead of singing them. The fighting over the microphone, him then getting a second microphone from the side. Everything about this is so fucking well done. I have nothing to oppose you. Nothing. It's so good. I feel like they're getting better and better with their musical numbers. Yes. And every single time I know there's going to be a performance, I get just so excited. And it always delivers. The song is over. And everybody's there. Everybody is in Lux. And I think it's so brilliant that suddenly every single cast member, except for... Well, that Trixie, who's Charlotte, for whom it Linda, makes sense to be there, Mace, is there. So Ella. all the police people and Amenadiel and Lucifer, everybody important to this storyline is there. And all of it. So Linda, Lucifer, Azara, the killer. Kane, Amenadiel, Dan. Yeah, but it's, yeah, but like half the cast is missing. So it didn't feel to me that everyone is there. I just liked because of the way that not they didn't go there for one reason. It just felt like this kind of a finale of a theater, you know, resolution of a play or something with like most of your It is very theatrical. Do. That's it's it's beautiful. That's true. It is it, very theatrical and it in that my way it hearts. feels very yeah. um fuck, what's the word? It all fits well together. It feels very coherent. 
Yes. So from a theoretical point of view, it all is extremely coherent storytelling wise. Mm-hmm. So yeah, you're absolutely right from that perspective. And so the song ends, the then turned out murderer CC shows up. We have this conversation with CC being apparently in love mm-hmm. with Azara. I found the entire I love you. You promised that we would spend time together. And it used to be just us. I felt this was extremely icky from a behavioral point of view. And I did not feel that this was handled in the same quality and way as they handled the last two instances of stalkery, obsessive, boundary-breaking fan behavior. So I was actually kind of disappointed with the treatment of CC and the resolution of this interaction. I feel like the relevance of this resolution hasn't had as much strong of an impact on me as the previous ones had. And especially with the strong writing in the last couple of episodes, it was just very... Obviously, there was another part that I was kind of intrigued by because Lucifer saves Chloe's life, in theory. He throws himself in front of the knife. Chloe is all, oh, you put yourself in danger for me. So I ask, Mm -hmm. is Chloe now finally gonna get over her crush on Pierce that started when he took a bullet for her because now Lucifer took a knife for her and uh parallels yay or is this the moment because it is observed by Pierce that will trigger Pierce to try a proper relationship with Chloe and prove my aforementioned theory. Haha. <laughs> and you know, I, n- I like nothing as much as being right. I am afraid that <laughs> the former is going to be the case. It is very upsetting to me. I am... <laughs> that Chloe's affection is so fickle, it gets swayed by being saved. No, it's not about the affection being fickle or anything like that. This is all about Kane. And seriously. Okay, whatever. Sorry. Um, I think the biggest issue is that for some reason, Kane is convinced that it needs to be Chloe-related. Because they are watching the situation happening. And Amenadiel is spelling it out. I blame Amenadiel for the revelation. Oh yeah, 100%. It's all Ames' fault. Let's just get rid of Ames. He just fucked up everything that's wrong with the show currently. So, yeah, I mean, there is really no competition. But he says, see if he can have, if Lucifer can have this, why couldn't you? And my problem is what, this is what Amenadiel obviously meant, but this is on Cain as well. Cain took it as, well, if Lucifer can have this with Chloe, you can have this with Chloe, which was something that made me very upset because what he should have seen was if Lucifer can have something with Chloe, you can too meet somebody to have this with. Find your own, Chloe. Which brings us to the precinct where Pierce is going to act on this revelation and essentially tell Chloe to ask him out. He deliberately misunderstands her statement and invites himself to go with her. And so... I feel confirmed 
that my theory is right and he is now gonna pursue the relationship angle with her. Yeah. And to me, this means we now have an active love triangle just after we got rid of the hidden one, more or less. Because right after Pierce goes away, after he managed to get himself invited to the concert, Lucifer shows up with his arm in a sling. Which is kind of cute. Does he actually need it though? No. So he's just doing this for sympathy vote. Yes. Because he spent time away from Chloe and a normal knife wound would not incapacitate him in any way, shape or form. Okay, fair enough. That was one of my questions. So I was actually wondering. So he shows up and he obviously sees the tickets and Chloe lies to him because she had not deliberately intended to take Pierce. I think she actually wanted to take Lucifer because Lucifer actually expressed interest in Zara as an artist, unlike anybody else. I kind of don't want to assume that she had intended to take Lucifer, but I am pretty sure that she had not intended to take Pierce. I don't think she even it even crossed her mind. Exactly, so. because he turned her down. Mm-hmm. And her now formulating it as, well, you didn't show interest in me, so I invited Pierce, to me, is a blatant lie. And I don't understand why. Why make this explicit statement towards Lucifer? Why not? Chloe is not in the habit of lying. But he was literally hurting her on purpose. For this entire week or like for this entire time of the case. And she called him out on it. Yeah. And he yet he didn't stop. Yeah, but Chloe is not a liar. I don't understand. Okay, let's put it from the other perspective. She, I don't think she wanted to hurt him by or like she wanted to admit that it was not her decision. Let's put it that way. Do what you know about what that? my perfect solution would have been? I'm sure you're going to tell me. <laughs> Sent the two men. But she wants to go with Pierce. Why would she do that? Does she want to go with Pierce? Yeah. I mean, she still is attracted to him. Like, the the fact that he told her no before doesn't mean that she's not attracted to him anymore. That's why in the previous scene said if now her attraction to Pierce is torn because now Lucifer saved her life. I don't think so. Yeah. Well, my perfect solution would have been to simply <laughs> send the two men and thusly remove herself from an awkward situation. But obviously, for storytelling reasons... We need this situation so Lucifer can finally have the realization. Because this is the moment it fucking finally clicks for him. Yep, it takes takes way too long, but finally we get there. Which brings us to the last scene. And that happens while Sky Townsend performs actually her original song called No Reg, as in then she sings in the lyrics non-regular and uh, I just wrote down in all caps I just want to give Lucy a hug right now I agree because as much as I am annoyed with him taking so long and him being the cause of all this I still feel really 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 bad for Lucifer Mm -hmm. which especially because because he know who Pierce really is yeah but that's not why I feel sorry for him I actually don't really know why I feel sorry for him and I'm gonna contribute this to the quality the show has been delivering in the last few episodes because in the beginning of season three I was very much annoyed with so so many parts Mm. but the show has now finally managed to get me back on my emotional involvement level Mm. and so even though I am annoyed and exasperated and hurt and everything that I have said so in this and the previous episodes I really do care and 
I especially do care about Lucifer. So I really, really feel that for him. As I said, in my opinion, Chloe lied. And so this is going to be more confusion in the future. But I'm also really happy for Lucifer that he pretty much immediately goes to the one person that he can talk to about this. So as sad as I am for him, I'm also really proud of him because he knows how to deal with this, mm. at least in the next step scenario. During this entire montage, my heart pains and aches and breaks for Lucifer. But we also see Mace in this montage. Mm -hmm. And she has unwrapped the friendship axe. And hatchet. it's an axe. And Linda calls it a hatchet. No, she says to bury the hatchet. A hatchet is a very different weapon. Did you know what a hatchet is? An axe. Different. Very, very sure. We're going to research this and then put in the description which one of us was right. And the way she looks at it, I was actually for a moment there hoping that she would be touched by the gift. And then she breaks it. And it just breaks my heart a little bit more. So it's a really great final scene of the episode you said everything that i have so okay in general about the episode i just have to say there are so many loose threads now can we just instantly watch the next episode because i'm so curious no <laughs> most importantly i seem to be right that pierce is now gonna try the caring for chloe as the next potential solution in pursuing the relationship stuff with her which obviously, yay, I'm right. But also, ew, no, don't. I hate it. Ugh. I like that the problem between Maze and Linda is not quickly resolved, but instead gets more time. But I do wish that they would not focus so much on the man part of the issue and more on the lying, being scared part. Seeing Charlotte, Linda and Maze together was completely brilliant though. So I do hope that we get to see more interaction with that combination. As I have said repeatedly throughout the episode, Dan is once again a better human and anyone around him actually deserves him to be to them. Screw Pierce for not even saying a proper hello, let alone a thank you at the end. It was Dan that put him in communication with Amenadiel and that communication led to the realization. So fuck you, Pierce. Be fucking grateful. I feel so bad for Lucifer. But on the other hand, he kept pushing Chloe away. So he does not really have any ground to stand on to be upset that she is trying to move on. But still, personally, I am against it. And I only have to say, next episode, please. So I think they are finally bringing consequences for Lucifer to the table. Which, on one hand, I do appreciate. However, I do not like that the consequence <laughs> is Cain, who seems to go back to his arsehole selfish behavior. And I do not feel sorry for him at all anymore. That's very accurate. Yeah, that's true. I didn't realize. Yeah, I, I agree. Oh, thank you. I really do hope that Mace and Linda will manage to resolve their conflict. And if it's going to be with Charlotte's help, even better. Done being used for his struggles and then immediately discarded after Kane comes up with a new, better plan is very predictable. It's very sad, but it's also very classic. So my highlight was definitely the I will survive duet so and good. the fact that Lucifer realized that he fucked up even though it seems that he did so too late 
And with this, we say thank you for listening. If you are curious, find us on the various social media. We love interacting with you either over there or when you send us emails to lucifer at taot-podcast.com. If you want to get even more personal and have secret chats with us on our exclusive Discord server, you can join our Patreon at patreon.com slash taotpodcast. We have a whole bunch of different rewards from early release to hours of bonus content. Yes. Hours. If that sounds like too much pressure, you can help the show by leaving positive iTunes reviews. They really help. Or telling all your friends about us. Because nothing beats a personal recommendation. Thank, Thank you. you! Bye! Bye.